1: Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the Betting Weekly Podcast, the English Premier League Edition. Another round of brilliant fixtures coming up and alongside me to break them down and to try and identify the best picks uh, ahead of this weekend's action. Our first up, Jack Wright. Jack, welcome back, mate. How are
2: you? I'm very well, thanks, Harry. Yeah, how are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, starting to all run about, in.
1: Yeah, the, the nerves <laughs> are killing me at the moment. But... taking over. Is what it is. Uh, Also joining us, uh, Nigel Seeley. Nigel, how's it going? Welcome back.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, all good, mate. Not too bad. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, Do you know what though? I've actually looked at the Premier League card this weekend and uh, I found it really difficult. I don't know if Jack did the same. I looked at the card and I thought there was nothing that was a standout. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is a really, really hard card. Obviously, it's a depleted card because the FA Cup is in action this weekend. And uh, we'll probably talk about that the end of the show, the FA Cup. But... um, I thought it was difficult and I actually struggled to find the three picks this week. And I'm not just saying that in case we have a bad run or anything like that, but I thought it might be well worth letting people know rather than, you know, some weeks or so I'm really confident, but this week I actually found it the hardest week probably in the season to find three beds actually.
2: Yeah. It has been tough. And I think also we've got, some of our key players are in those FA Cup games or not playing because of it. So, uh, where you go to for a bit of a safety net bet, as such, um, not there. So, yeah, we've got. I'm sure we've got a few interesting ones coming up. So, it's all going to be good.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. And you have come up with three, which is uh, always a great place to start. So it's tough, That's a very <laughs> tough
0: to I, I
1: wanted to speak one, ask for one this week. No, no it, it's a tough card. Well, let's start then uh, with the game between uh, Fulham and Leeds United. That's the early game on Saturday. Um, You've talked on this show recently about Fulham maybe sort of having their feet up at the moment, you know, cruising towards the end of the season. But for Leeds United, off the back of a big hammering at the hands of Liverpool the other night, this is a huge, huge game, Nigel
0: it's a massive game. Um we've I've spoken about Fulham. Last week we made a big case about Fulham saying they got they got their espadrilles drills on, they're not interested in the game and they go to Everton and win 3-1. So we it's, sometimes in football you make you look very very foolish. And yes, last week was one of the cases where both myself and Jack agreed on that on Everton to win as probably one of our strongest picks of the weekend and, and Fulham go and put in performance and win 3-1. Um Fulham have that capability in them. They have goals in them. You know, there's no Mitrovic obviously, but the the other players they have are young, they're, they're attack-minded, a manager, obviously, who likes to play football in the right way. And um, I know the sun is shining in London now, and hopefully the sun will be shining at the weekend. I know there's probably a little bit of rain forecast, but when the sun's shining down on the riverside, the River Thames at Fulham Craven Cottage. If you're American and you want to come to watch a, a Premier League game, obviously Harry's going to say dub to the Emirates. Yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic. I'm going to say QPR because we can oh, yeah. just throw things at the manager and boo. But I think if you want to go, if you want to go, if you had one, if you had one place to go to watch a football match, I think Fulham would be right up there. you know, the, the, the scenic along the river, and it's a beautiful spot. And I think if um, I think it's always a great game down there. And I think I look at this match here and I just look at it and I think to myself it just screams goals and a crazy game. It just looks like a game that's going to go absolutely crazy. We know Fulham are obviously at the end nothing to play for so the players can play with a little bit more freedom. They can take the shackles off and really go at it and, and we saw that last week scoring three goals at Everton whereas Everton run all that pressure to win. The same happens here. They're up against a Leeds side who have to get a result. You know, they have to do something but Leeds only know one way of playing and that is you let us, We'll concede three, and we'll try and score four. That's the way they play. And their results in the last few weeks, obviously, or since the new manager has taken over, have just been crazy. Crazy time at Leeds. I mean, the performance against the, in, in, in Liverpool was, they were well, well second best. But the match against Crystal Palace, I mean, they were brilliant in the first half, and then they conceded five goals. You know, their last four games, 4-1, 2-1, 5-1, 6-1. Prior to that, 4-2 and a 2-2. Uh, five of the last six, sorry, last six um, Leeds games, both teams have scored as a yes, and over two and a half goals has cashed. So they're trying to go about survival in a very different way that you would trad- traditionally think of teams in the Premier League. Teams traditionally in the Premier League would go to a game like this, keep it tight, try to win one. They'll Leeds aren't, can't do that. They, 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 they know they're going to concede at least a goal, and they have to go out and attack. And Fulham played exactly the same way. Uh, Fulham's last six matches, five of them over two and a half goals. At the early part of the season, every game that Fulham played was a was a both seems to score banker. Over two and a half goals banker. Obviously, the goals had dried up as sort of the season sort of worn on when Mitrovic hasn't been there. But I just think this game just looks like a a crazy, crazy, crazy betting match and, and goal frenzy. In the reverse fixture, Fulham won 3-2 up at Elland Road. And I would suggest if anybody wants to play, I mean, I've gone a little bit things here at quite high odds than we usually go for. I mean, minus one thirty-five is quite trumpy for people to put, to pay. I mean, we usually can bet bets about plus one dollars, and I've gone for something here at one thirty five or one one thirty-three or one thirty-five with betters. Actually, a little bit higher than what I would usually go. But I found it a very difficult card to, to to have. So if you look at this match and you think to yourself, I, I don't want to play minus one thirty-five, I also want to have a have a couple of dollars on something. I, I was throwing a couple of really crazy score lines just for a bit of fun. Four two either way, uh three three, uh, three two either way, and just have a, a dollar on each one, and hopefully you can you can hit a nice price. But I think this is this the way these two sides are matched, the way these two managers like to play. And the way that Leeds have been defensively in the last six or seven games, it just looks like it screams goals. So both teams to score is my bet here. My official play, minus 133. Uh, Over 2.5 as well, I think we'll probably cash. And if you're looking for a little bit more value, go from probably over 3.5.
1: But my official play, uh, both teams to score, yes nice one uh you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be at this game on saturday so i'll take a little video by the river so we can show our american listeners just what it's like uh watching a game on the uh, on the thames down at Fulham. hopefully it's, it's a great
0: there. spot though isn't it i do you know what i've 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 been to um, i used to work for a company that sponsored Fulham, and i used to get a ticket to go to the every single game their corporate matches and i've never been so, in, in a premier league game i've never been so warm and beautiful watching a game and <laughs> And I've also never been so cold when they played Newcastle in January with the wind coming off the, off yeah. the Thames there. Uh, and we used to get a boat. Uh, we used to get a boat from uh, the pier, Westminster Pier, and come up. Hospitality goes up and down, pulls up. It's a great spot for so uh, someone to watch football. So if you're ever in London,
2: definitely
1: check it out. It's a great spot.
2: There's yep. not many grounds with a cottage in the corner, is there? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly.
1: And to the point about the wind, because I was there a few weeks ago, the fact that they've got the big new stand, it actually blocks quite a bit of that off as well. Uh, so it's a lot more bearable than it was in the past. But mm. yeah, it can get quite cold there. You're right. Um, I saw
0: Arsenal play there. Murtisaka scored. It was a 1-0 win for Arsenal.
1: Oh, wow. That was, my, boy was about, my
0: boy was about six and he, he needed to go to the toilet and missed the goal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always take an empty bottle with you. Yeah. Uh, Lesson there, uh, Jack. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Crystal Palace versus Everton. Everton very much in the relegation fight as well. Crystal Palace just starting to pull away from the pack with uh, Roy Hodgson coming in and, and changing their fortunes.
2: Indeed so. Who would have thought of that? And uh, Nigel touched on saying it was a trumpy line that he was on there. Well, I've matched that with this first selection, to be honest. This is minus 136, so a little bit uh, lower than what I would normally go for. But the weird thing is, I was looking last weekend at a few of the other leagues and um, a couple of bets stood out, basically on, on the goal line with a very low goal line. I think we never get those in the Premier League. And then lo and behold, a game that I'd kind of had an inkling on as far as goals were concerned popped up and I can play over two goal line at minus 136. So for those that are not used to playing that goal line, that basically means that we would lose if there were no goals or one goal. We'd get a full refund on our bet if there was exactly two goals, but obviously three or more and we get get a full win. So, yes, Roy Hodgson. Whatever I expected of Roy Hodgson to come into this Crystal Palace side and deliver, it's effectively been a mirror opposite of it. I thought he's just going to try and tighten them up, get them over the line and uh, get his pay off and and go back to retirement again. But absolutely not. It's been the opposite. Three wins from three under his management, scoring two or more goals in all three of them as well. Um, There was that one game, obviously the Arsenal game, after Patrick Vieira. So since including that one, we've seen five, three, six and two goals from those games so it's been a complete change of dimension from what we'd heard a lot about um obviously Nigel's brother being a season ticket holder there and and what we'd got the insights on as far as the the feeling at uh, um at Crystal Palace so um are they safe at the moment pretty much aren't they nine points clear of relegation um 12th in the table another win certainly would um would would make that a, a definite uh, 57 shots they've had since Roy Hodgson's been there, which is uh, mad nine goals uh, in that period of time as well. Uh, the same amount that they'd scored in the previous 16, unbelievably. But and I think this is possibly where we give uh, Patrick Vieira a little bit of a hard luck card is the games they had prior to this were um were crazy 2023 i've seen them play and i wrote them down spurs chelsea man united twice newcastle brighton twice brentford liverpool villa man city and arsenal before roy came in and turned it round, and you, you probably couldn't pick a worse set of fixtures than that at all could you so what they've done since then beating the size they've beaten in leicester leeds and southampton has shown they're not a bottom five side. They're better than a bottom five side because they're beating those and they've got another one here, of course, in Everton. So expect a similar situation. What he has done is managed to get Crystal Palace playing well and attacking and winning games of football without Wilfred Zaha, who's been injured. And to do that, that's always been their Achilles heel. It's always been their problem over the years that when he's out, you might as well give the forfeit the points and, and crack on. So that's changed. Um, and we're, we're getting the best out of there seeing Elise, and one or two others as well coming to the party and, and scoring goals and being an entertaining watch. So even more so now, likely with that, say, with the shackles off. So um, as far as Everton, the opponents are concerned, we saw a slight upturn under um, Sean Dyche when he started. Um, but it's not been that tight kind of structured setup that I was expecting from him at all. Um, I very nearly went with Palace in this one, but I've kind of gone down the goal route because of the fact that I'm not quite sure. And with them being a little bit safe, it might not be the, be the same token. But also with Everton, they're just conceding goals, which wasn't the wasn't in the script under Sean Dyche. Obviously, initially we saw it beating Arsenal 1-0. Sorry to mention that, but beating Arsenal 1-0 and a couple of other 1-0 wins at Goodison Park, but they're terrible away from home. Still only one win away all season. Still only one clean sheet away all season. So I do feel Palace can cover this um, goal line on their own. That's the main kind of focus for me. Um, But, you know, Everton have scored a couple recently as well, which can add to that also. Hence why I've gone down that route rather than the Palace route as well. Um, They've conceded two or more, Everton. They've conceded two or more in all their last six away games. Five of those away games have been under Sean Dyche. They've lost eight away from home. Also, um, the last eight away from home seen a minimum of two goals. So we wouldn't have lost any of those last eight away games and would have been at least a push. Um And there's been four or more goals in three of the last four away games for them as well. So we can see where that is. Uh, a 3-1 home defeat, which we touched on last weekend as well, shows the goals are still there. Not going the right way for us last weekend, but it doesn't matter on my bet which way they're going to go this time round. They tried to get a confidence boost in um, friendly behind closed doors in in midweek. I read on Tuesday, and they managed to lose one 0 to Chester, who are tier six in the uh, in the pyramid of English football. So not great there. Um, eight first teamers involved in that as well. Interestingly, including Dominic Calvert Lewin, who they obviously hope is going to come back and actually score a few goals like he did a few years ago. But final part of this history definitely on our side for goals here, two or more. In all the games since 2019, and there's been seven in total 25 goals, 12 for Palace, 13 for Everton in that period of time, an average of 3.57. Um, six wins for the bet, one push, um, and includes the reverse in October, which was a 3 0 win for Everton, which was come out of nowhere. But there we go, over two goal line at minus 136 is the play for me.
1: Nice one, good stuff. Uh, Nigel, you've also got a pick on this game as well. Uh, not the same pick though. Crystal Palace uh, against Everton. Tell us about your selection.
0: I've actually gone for Everton.
1: I just took them at plus one hundred
0: and five. Um, uh, sorry, I've gone for Crystal Palace. Sorry, I'm Let's get it. I've got a gonna, I've gone, gonna, sorry, sorry, like, sorry, 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 sorry. Why did why didn't anybody stop me? There? I, got, I went the Crystal Palace at plus one hundred and five. I just, um, I just think that uh, you know, I, I said it a minute ago that football makes you sometimes look very silly roll the clock back four weeks, guys. I was opposing Crystal Palace at every opportunity. And then I was telling everyone, they're they're going to get relegated. Roy Hodgson comes in, changes the whole ethos of the club around, gets the support behind them and makes them play with with some confidence. Um, Obviously, the opposition hasn't been as strong as what they place under Vieira, but the style of football they're playing is so much more attacking. You see the freedom they're playing. You know, Twitter is an amazing thing, but the Crystal Palace Twitter was quite, Bad against Vieira, but now he seems to be playing the right players in the right positions. And and in Eze, I think I've always I've said it. I think I've said it since I first met you, Harry, a a couple of years ago. I'm a QPR fan, and um, I've watched Eze since he was uh, a very very young lad. And I don't believe that there's. I think he's probably one of the most gifted English players there is. I really do. I think he he's exceptional. I always thought that Crystal Palace would be an opportunity for him to go to Crystal Palace and then he'd move on to an Arsenal or a Tottenham or a Chelsea or something like that. I thought it would be a stepping stone for him. Um, he had an unbelievable run in the side. Then he got that terrible injury. He was out for nine months. But if you ever watch this boy live, he glides. I mean, I've seen him. I saw him play at Leeds where Leeds were in the championship and uh, QPR were sort of struggling in mid-table. He went there and he was, like, the best player on the pitch. And uh, there was a lot of scouts around me and they were all there watching Calvin Phillips, who Aston Villa wanted to buy at the time. And uh, Leeds were looking at uh, Eze, but Bielsa said he ne- he's never tracked back enough. he never His work rate wasn't enough. To me, if you've got that kind of skill, like that, that kind of ability to beat people and score goals, and, and that makes a difference now, because for years and years and years, Crystal Palace was so heavily dominated or, or, or influenced by Sahar. I don't think he's the main man at Palace anymore. I think he's at the end of his career. I think he's probably might want to get one move in before he goes somewhere. And Eze is the boy now. He is. Boy. And Roy Hodgson has built the team around him. But going back to the odds, what we're talking about here, is it's one of those bets that I was very, it was my third choice bet. And I was very reluctant to put it in. And the reason I was reluctant to put it in is because it looks so obvious it's so many times where you see bets and you think to yourself, plus 105, Crystal Palace, we've got to be involved in that. And then you look on social media and six other handicappers are betting <laughs> to, and you suddenly think, you know what, this is going to get beat. I've got that kind of feel about it. It looks it looks so obvious. Exactly. Everton's revert, reverse form is absolutely shocking. We all know how bad they are. We all know that Crystal Palace are on a three-run winning run. We all know how great they are. <laughs> but there is this nagging part of me thinking to myself, you know what, we're going to... We're going to bet this, and they're going to have all the possession and lose one nil. That's how I feel. So it goes back to my point at the beginning. These aren't my strongest picks, but I I, I will bet Everton. I won't bet them full strength. I will bet them a very very small. So I keep saying Everton. I will bet Crystal Palace. We got But I won't bet. Bet, I won't bet them um, as strong as I would do the other two bets. But I think that um, they have the that they should win this match. There's no doubt about it. They should win it on the form we've seen. But sometimes uh, when everyone's in agreement or something on the on the, on the world of soccer, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't materialise on the pitch. And there was that nagging feeling in the back of my mind about this match. Same oh, thing.
2: Man. Yeah, Palace was one I looked at and I thought, that's too good to be true. And you're exactly right. Yeah, same same thought processes. And it was like, oh yeah, this two goal line. So we can get both in here. You know, a nice, comfortable 3-0 Palace win worked one. Yeah,
1: that'll do. That's, that's what we want. <laughs> That'll do nicely. Um, Jack, let's come back to you, mate. Leicester City uh, versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Leicester, another team in serious, serious trouble. Uh, coming up against another side that's still technically in the mix as well. Um, what have you gone for on this one? It's it's one of your uh, sort of left field picks, which I quite like.
2: It is, yeah. I've said... In previous shows, I want to try and highlight between now and the end of the season some different markets for us to get involved in and I say it lent itself because it is a tough slate this, this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I was looking, going, right, okay. There wasn't one last week from any of the, the different markets that fit the bill, but i like to, say, bring out a couple um, so that people can keep a note of them as well. So they're not going to be the same one every single week, but, uh, you know, keep a note of it. Like the O'Villa offsides are still cashing as well. The trademark, of course, Will never be never be forgotten. The the nil nil or the Wolves draw at half time. So this one actually. Jack, can I just say something about that Wolves nil? I've, every time I've tipped it on here, yes. and every time I've bet it, it's lost. Yeah, and so. every time I haven't
0: bet it, it's won.
2: You're, you're, uh, you're, you're thinking it in your head right now for this game, possibly. But uh, it's, uh, I'm going on Wolves tackles is what I'm going here. So one of the prop markets, um, over 11.5 Wolves tackles is the bet at minus 107, I think is a very nice price. It's one of the 402 different bets that you can pick on on this match through Bet Rivers, so I say. It's just one that I want to highlight to say it is worth having a look at. They might look a little bit obscure, but they generally you can you can find the ones with a little bit of, um, say, basis behind them. This one definitely is a massive game for Dean Smith. Yeah, we talked on it obviously last week was his first game in charge of Leicester. (laughs) An easy one, as he pointed out several times going into the game um, away at Manchester city. Um, And it looked like it could have been an absolute total and a complete disaster for him. Three down within about half an hour of the game, and luckily, um, I'll use an English term here in cricket, but uh, Man City and Pep decided to declare at half-time and uh, go easy on them. And, and to be fair to, to Leicester, they they had a little kind of foothold in the game and, and they took it. And it could have been a lot worse for, for my bet because I got a push on it in the end. And um, and also for, for Man City because Leicester caused a few problems in that second half. Um, this is his first home game, obviously, in charge. It's a local game as well. Both sides from the Midlands and and a relegation fight, so it's got all the makings for it to be a little bit feisty. The atmosphere should be good, and as long as Leicester can can show signs early doors, I think this should pry, provide a real good basis for the bet. In that Wolves will we'll need to um, will will do a few fouls for sure. Um, the, 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 they won that second half one nil at the Etihad, so I think they will come with a bit of confidence here, Leicester. On the basis that they're grabbing on anything, obviously got John Terry on board as well, Premier League legend to many, and that will add that a bit of steel. You know that that part of that dressing room is going to get a little bit of a bit of a kick now, and also that they're going to be more defensively solid as well. We saw what he did at Aston Villa when they were in this kind of position. Uh, they will see a bit deep, and then they basically called for Jack Grealish, gave him the ball, and let him crack on with it. And for, for Grealish, I think we'll read Madison here and see a similar setup. Um, and Wolves will look to nullify that. And obviously, they've got Neves back for this one as well, which is a big boost for them. But they also come into it on the back of two wins as well. Decent wins, wins to nil. And they'll probably think that one more win now will likely guarantee them safety. I'd say they're pretty much safe anyway. But I think one would certainly um, confirm that, especially against a, a rival, not only geographically, but also, of course, a, a relegation rival, Take points off Leicester and uh, and go from there. One thing they'll certainly not want to do is, is avoid defeat. So we should see, I say, plenty of tackles flying in, a few fouls, regardless of the game situation, whether they're protecting something or chasing something. That all lends itself to it. And the line was a lot lower than I expected. Uh, we've seen under um Lopetegui, he's come in and he's put a bit of steel into into this Wolves side. Um, they have start, they have played with some resilience. They have put some decent results together. It's a bit of a two paces forward, one of the pace back approach they've had. But as far as the foul side of things, which is the part of this bet is concerned, that's been pretty consistent. They average under him since he's come into the club, 14 fouls per away game, um, which obviously is more than enough we need here. We need 12 or more. Um, They've hit 12 or more in four of the last five away games. And the key thing that I looked at is they've played three other relegation rivals away from home under him since he's come to the club. Nottingham Forest, and they made 13 fouls in that one. Southampton, they made 14 fouls. And Everton, they made a whopping 22 fouls. So for me, a really nice bet on a game which should have plenty of spice about it over 11.5 Wolves fouls to play at minus 107.
1: I like the look of that as well, because Wolves have a lot of those types of players, yeah. the types that will make a tactical foul if you get past them and, and wouldn't be afraid to do so. I was pleased um, to see
2: Costa score last weekend, because it probably means he'll he'll play here. And he's he's, oh, he's good for a foul or two at least, isn't he? Our grumpy old boy.
1: He's good for four or five, without <laughs> doubt. doubt. Um, Nigel, let's come back to you, mate. The best team in West London. I bet you never thought you'd say that a few years ago. But Brentford are taking on Aston Villa this weekend.
0: That's a QPR, and That hurts me. It yeah. hurts me. That hurts me massively. To hear that, I mean, we're going to get relegated out of QPR. My God, what, what, a, what a shambles! Great Great point. last
2: night, well done. I, oh, I
0: don't know what. I think. I think it's a, I think it's a point. I, if you look at the running. I think they're in trouble. But anyway, I mean, just talk about the, this. This top club, Brentford against Villa. I mean, we've spoken about Brentford and their way they start games, the way they get in the face of people, the way they are at home, the way they are very, very hard to beat. And I think you're going to have two sides here going in with with huge confidence. Brentford will be confident without beating anybody at home. And Villa will come in here as the informed team in the Premier League, apart from obviously Manchester City. And they've done beaten in eight, seven wins, one draw. It's an amazing turnaround that Unai Emery has done at uh, at Villa Park, how he's turned this side around. And he's turned it around with some really, really attack-minding, really attractive football. I mean, last week against Newcastle, that was just a that was a brilliant performance. I mean, they they absolutely smashed him. They won 3-0. They could have won five or six. Ollie Watkins was absolutely superb. I mean, he's certain to be in the next England squad and probably in the England team. I think he's uh, he's, he's now the the leading man to understudy to, to Harry Kane. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, Brentford, obviously, got even Tony, who wants that role as well. So, those two players are going to be very, very keen to try to impress Gareth Southgate with some... Uh, European qualifiers coming up as well. So that's going to be an incentive for them to score. Um, I th- I think this game just screams goals again. I mean, we talk about sides that in the Premier League, you look at teams that who've got nothing to play for, that you want to be sort of looking at them to score goals. Brentford definitely fit that bill. Uh, Aston Villa, I do think that fit that bill as well. People are saying they could break into the Champions League or they might get the European football. But I think that they're playing with freedom here. They're not they're not playing as a tie thinking RT oh, or we might if we win this we're in the Champions League or we could win. They're playing this game like the go and play your stuff and confidence. Uh Rundia's obviously putting all the strings behind for, for Watkins and they just look like scoring goals every time they attack. I mean, this game he just screams goals and um it's the same bet as the Fulham Leeds game. I'm gonna go for both teams to score. Yes, uh, in the, under Uno Henry, twenty one matches in charge at Aston Villa. They've scored in every single game. They scored at least two goals in their last five matches. Um, they beat Brentford 4-0 in the reverse fixture, which Brentford would look to a revenge. And also, that was a very, very different Vida side to the Vida side that we see now. Conference levels are sky high. Brentford at home, just high tempo, high press, score goals. Eight of the last ten home matches for Brentford, both teams have scored. Just so it's like a just looks like a really good game of football. I think if you if someone said to me this weekend in the Premier League, I'm unfortunately on Saturday. I'm going to see Manchester City against Sheffield United at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final. But if someone said to me which game I would like to go to watch as a neutral, I think Brentford Villa would be right at the top. I think this will be a cracking game of football. I expect lots of goals. Over two and a half goals, I expect both teams to score. Yes, and um, I'm not so confident about the the um, Crystal Palace bet, as I've said. Know I have that quite nagging my head, but um, if you were looking for a parlay, both teams to score Fulham Leeds and both teams to score Brentford Villa, I wouldn't put you off that. I think that's to enhance your bet. So, yeah, I think Brentford Villa will be an absolute cracker. Two sides to play football in exactly the right way, two managers at the top of their game, two centre-forwards at the top of their game. So hopefully the sun's shining and we see a great cracking football match. So both teams to score, yes, minus 130.
2: I love I like a little it. bit of Trip advisor has been for Mr. Seeley today. It's off lunchtime by, by, through Putney and by the Thames to watch Fulham up in the West London in the afternoon for a bit of Brentford. Very nice.
0: Lovely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, let's take it on uh, to uh, the Sunday game uh, between Newcastle United and Tottenham Hotspur. Now, Jack, this is a huge game. In terms of the race for the top four, Newcastle with an opportunity, having played a game less than Spurs, to make their lead over the North London club six points. Huge game.
2: Absolutely right. Yeah, I was going to say that. So you've done that bit for me, which is all good. And Newcastle's too far for me to go to, to go and watch games. So um, I can't recommend that. But you won't be able to get a ticket anyway, because it'll be absolutely sold out. Absolutely loving life up there, of course. And again, I looked at it and I thought, you know what, I really fancy Newcastle. And I had the price in my head, what I was expecting it to be. And minus 118 is the price. And that is a little bit better on our side of it from Bet Rivers. Thank you very much. And I'll take it. So Nigel's already talked about last week's Newcastle performance, unlike them. But how much of that I think was Villa being exceptionally good rather than Newcastle being bad possibly a little bit of both, but I'd certainly give more credit to Villa for the fact of how they played and how they've gone about their work than the knocking Newcastle. And I expect Newcastle to bounce back from this, fall from that. And, and of course, they're at home, which makes a big difference, roared on by that crowd who will be bang up for this one. As you rightly say, currently three points clear of Spurs with a game in hand. This could be absolutely massive. This could pretty much cement their place in the top four and Champions League football for next season. You can just hear that atmosphere now already. They probably started drinking already ahead of it. So they can get prepared for it. But um prior to that Villa game, five wins on the spin. So they were in great form. Um and I will take that as a blip. Put a, you know one of them had to kind of suffer their form because Villa obviously are in brilliant form themselves. So Newcastle also won the won the reverse. They've still kept that uh, apart from last week, that that um Good defensive record going. Um, Pope's up there for the most clean sheets in the season, just overtaken by De Gea now. But the defence looks fantastic. Still the best defence if record in the Premier League. So, And I want to fade Spurs because Spurs are a mess as far as I can see. And I think they had a massive opportunity when that whole debacle uh, with Antonio Conte rumbled on. And I was stunned that they've just gone, get rid, but we're going to keep his right-hand man, who's been with him for years and years and years. When you thought, well, they should go down a different avenue because it wasn't working and effectively gone and done the same thing and I've looked into the d- details of since he's been the number one thinking that has he changed anything same lineups same tactics same results everything's just been the same it's just like a carbon copy and uh, he had a big opportunity to go and put his, put his name out there for a few clubs and I don't, how he's conducted himself over the last few weeks as well just seems like a man under pressure. And I think that must re- relay into the dressing room. I think he's going to you know, lose this top four race, certainly, and uh, and have a real bad end to the season. Uh, you know, We've seen a few players dip in form, of course, um, the likes of Dyer and, and Heberg as well. Um, we look longer term and see what Son has been like this season. 23-goal top goal scorer last season, eight goals to his name this season, so that's a big miss. Kulishevsky in and out of the side. They just don't seem to have that kind of idea of what, what they need to do. And You look at the, the forward players, the likes of richardson has been sitting on the bench. they brought in Dan Juma and he's, he's not featured at all, really, other than hardly anything of a sniff he's had. And you just think that an attack-minded manager or something with a different direction could have had a big, big impact on this, and it's not been the case. You look at what they've done. Conte obviously was there and left. After that Southampton draw, rock bottom Southampton. That was a terrible result, obviously, as was well documented. Then the draw against uh, a ten men Everton side who were down there as well. Um, the defeat last weekend to Bournemouth, and let's like, say Stellini storming off, so he didn't even shake the hand at the end of the game. That kind of stuff is just just seems to be like how this this is unraveling for him, and the, the end of the season can't come quick enough. Really, to be fair. Um, the only win in that period of time was against Brighton, and we touched on it previously. Most fortunate goals being this for Brighton they shouldn't have done. That's the only glimmer of hope they've had, really, and being at home with where their home form is strong. Looking at their away form, it's been awful. Mentioned already the, the draw against Everton with Everton down and 10 men. The draw against rock bottom Southampton, terrible. Prior to that, they lost to the Wolves and Leicester in the league. Again, size fight in relegation. They lost to a championship side in Sheffield United in the FA Cup and they did lose to Milan, which is probably the only one that you could give them a little bit of kind of scope for. But how they went about that game was terrible. So um, I think this Newcastle side will keep the, the one player that, that that Spurs have got in Harry Kane under lock and key. And then they'll have so much going forward with the crowd behind them that I'm certainly happy to take on the Newcastle win here at nice odds.
1: Nice one. Um also taking place this weekend are, of course, the FA Cup semi-finals. Uh, Nigel mentioned Manchester City against Sheffield United. That feels like a bit of a foregone conclusion, that one. But there is a really interesting one on Sunday between Brighton and Manchester United. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, I'll start with you, Nigel. I know there's no official picks, but any thoughts? Big game.
0: It's a massive game. It's a massive game. And uh, the last couple of weeks, Brighton, we've sort of spoken about them quite heavily, that they're the, the, they're the betters. Power, aren't they? You know, Every time Brighton play, the big syndicates get involved and in the Asian syndicates, they're always very heavily supported and they're finally putting good all the years of um, trust in them. Uh, they went off a very, very heavy favourite last week against Chelsea, uh, minus, I think, plus 175 down to plus 130, which is a substantial move, that is. That's like millions and millions of pounds to make that move, that that market. Uh, there was a substantial move on them again against Tottenham. Um they have the they have the advantage here, knowing that uh, Manchester United are in action in the Europa League on Thursday night. So we don't know what's happened in that game. If that goes to extra time, or well, I may you not know, have any injuries. And also, they're going to come back from Seville late on Thursday and then head to London. Uh, that's a big advantage for Brighton. But I still, I still, am not convinced that Brighton should be favourites on a neutral pitch against Manchester United. I get them against Chelsea. I totally get it against Chelsea. I think Chelsea are side to fade at all costs at the moment. The problems they have, I get it at Tottenham. But Man United you know have got so many big players, big big players who've, who've won cups. Who've who they won the Carabao Cup this year at Wembley against Newcastle? They've played in European Championship finals at Wembley. They've played in big big games internationally at Wembley. If you look at the Brighton side, they you know obviously got a World Cup winner in the side, but they don't have many players who would have played on the big level at Wembley Stadium like this. you know, So I'm I, 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 I I'm a little bit surprised that Manchester United are the underdogs for this match on a neutral pitch. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. I get it against Chelsea. I get it against Tottenham. But Man United are way, way higher than them in the Premier League. They went on an unbelievable winning one. They had that really crazy game against Liverpool, which sort of sent the buffers. What we're talking about is potentially putting the pressure on the top two and winning the Premier League. Um, a little bit surprised. So, um, if I was going to have a bet, and I probably will have a bet because I'm going to the game as well, so I will have a bet. I'm going actually with Simon Holden, so should be oh, well. there. Should be some good content on, <laughs> on the, on the <laughs> because we win on channel. That we're meeting up at half 11 in the Witherspoons at Victoria Station. So, what could possibly go wrong? It
2: doesn't get better than that, does it? It doesn't get better than <laughs> that. But, um,
0: I uh, I, I, quite, I quite like uh, Manchester United drawing a bet here not somebody to it being a draw, and United probably have enough about them to, uh, to edge it. But um, I'm not quite convinced that Brighton should be clear favourites for this match.
1: Yeah, the, and Man, I, I think it's probably down to Man United having a few injury problems. they got problems at centre-half, haven't they, with Lissandro Martinez and Varane out. I think is suspended as well, which makes it even more of an issue. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bruno Fernandes might be out as well. I don't know. I want to bet Brian. That's, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I probably wouldn't either. I probably wouldn't either.
2: Uh, Jack, any thoughts on that one before we wrap up? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's going to be over nine and a half pints of Stella by kickoff. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> to be fair, to, to be fair, mate, it it won't be because we are hospitality, and hospitality, oh. you get the. Points before and after so he will not be having and, and Simon Holden goes from the Sean Calvert school of uh, $51 bus brigade so uh, he won't be putting his hands in his pocket before unless we get to, we get to hospitality so uh, uh, we'll see we'll see <laughs> good stuff
1: right let's uh, let's wrap up the guys picks then uh, for this weekend's Premier League action we start with Crystal Palace versus Everton Jack's gone for over two goals On the Asian total, that's at minus 136. Nigel's gone for Crystal Palace to beat Everton at plus 105 in the same game. But he did say this was the one that he was least confident uh, in of his three picks. Uh, In the game between Leicester versus Wolves, jack has gone for over 11 and a half fouls conceded by Wolves. And that will be settled using data. at minus 107. In Fulham versus Leeds, uh, Nigel's gone for both teams to score at minus 133. Newcastle-Tottenham, Jack's gone for Newcastle to win that at minus 118. And in the game between Brentford and Aston Villa, Nigel's standout game of the Premier League this weekend, he's gone for both teams to score at minus 130. So those are the guys' picks. Uh, Make sure you get those bets on nice and early. And uh, that way, you won't miss a trick. Uh, we're going to be back very, very soon with more. Be sure uh, to give us a follow on uh, Twitter at because we win. Make sure you subscribe to the bet rivers network on YouTube and on all major podcast stores as well. Give the guys a follow to uh, any other business from anyone before I say goodbye.
0: No, nope, That's it. I mean, it's um, obviously the season's coming to an end. Obviously all the great content on the soccer tennis is up in a level. Uh, Sean just come back from Barcelona and, uh, no, How uh, long did it take him to get back on
1: a $1 bus?
2: <laughs> well, he had to get a few
1: of them. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> nice one, guys. Um, make sure you check out all the fantastic content coming out on the network uh, over the coming days, weeks, months, etc. And we'll see you all soon in more. Until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly English Premier League on the Bet Rivers Network.